Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Hi, and welcome back to Philosopher Insights. My name is Herb Lamba. Today, as you can tell by the title of the episode, it's going to be a little bit different. Today, I'm about to embark on a journey that's etched in the deepest part of my heart, a story that's been haunting my soul for nearly three decades. It's a tale from my early days as an elementary school teacher, back when I had yet to accumulate the wisdom and experience that comes with age. This story is filled with shades of despair, but also I think there's a lesson in terms of hope. But before we dive in too far, I just have to issue a trigger warning here. If you're listening with little ones or someone who might not be prepared for intense content, you may want to skip this episode. For those of you feeling vulnerable or grappling with your own mental health challenges, this story may also tug at your heartstrings and you may want to proceed with caution. You see, I share this story today because sometimes stories have a way of reaching deep into our souls far more than statistics ever will. My hope is that this is a tale that will stick with you and inspire you to help yourself or others around you. So here we go. This is a story that's 100% true. I want to make that point clear, though it's going to sound like it's fiction. An experience I'll carry with me until my last breath. I was just a young man in my early 20s, beginning my career as a teacher. I'd set sights on having my own class, not settling, starting my career as a substitute teacher. So I decided I'll take a job as a grade 6 teacher in a remote fly-in community in Northern Ontario, far from the comforts of home. In this episode, I won't name real names or I divulge real locations, and I'm not here to cast judgment on any community's way of handling children's mental health. I'm just here to share an experience. The children I taught in grade 6 had only known the life they'd lived in this isolated community. Their education had until that year been handed down through their parents and elders. So when I arrived to teach at their brand new school, it was the first time they'd seen qualified teachers come to this community. It was a pivotal year for both the students and us as new teachers. Let me take you back to one Friday afternoon in March, a day that's etched in my memory with a clarity that still astonishes me. As the school day drew to a close, one of my students, whom I'll call Dave, approached my desk and quietly said, Sir, I won't be at school on Monday. I didn't think much of it, just replied, okay, thank you for letting me know. But there was something about the way he looked, a heaviness in his eyes, a sorrowful tone, and the way he hesitated as he walked away. It was as though he had more to say, but wasn't sure how to put it into words. I couldn't shake the feeling that there was something deeper beneath the surface, a story he desperately needed to share. So I got up from my chair and called him back, asking, Dave, do you have something else you want to tell me? He nodded, a slow and uncertain movement, and then followed a painfully long silence that felt like an eternity. Dave finally looked up at me, his voice barely a whisper, and he says, I might not come back on Tuesday either. So I nodded, trying to understand. Then he dropped the bombshell. Actually, sir, I might never come back to class. This might be my last day. At that point, my initial thought was that he's talking about taking a vacation, but the way that he spoke, his demeanor, made it clear that there was more to this story. I had no idea how much more. He uttered words that sent a shiver down my spine by saying, I'm going to a suicide party tonight, so that's why I may not be back next week. Imagine the weight of those words. 
He said it with such nonchalance, as if he expected me to understand those words. My hands were trembling, my heart was racing, and I had to ask him to repeat what he just said. Suicide party, I stammered. You mean a party where people... I couldn't even complete the sentence. It sounded so inconceivable. Dave goes on to explain that once a month, the students in this community host these gatherings in the basements of houses, events where they contemplated the unimaginable. I was in full freakout mode, grappling with emotions, and a situation I was wholly unprepared for. In my desperation to buy more time and deter Dave from attending that ominous party, I resorted to asking a series of seemingly irrelevant questions. My mind was racing, and I needed to keep him engaged in this conversation, any conversation, to delay the inevitable. The exact wording of my statement is a blur in my memory, but it went something like this. I understand that life might seem unbearably tough for you right now, that you might think it's not worth living, but have you ever considered the ripple effect your decision could have on those that are around you? So Dave stared back at me, his expression still blank, and I forged ahead. Think about what this decision would mean for your parents and your siblings. Do you genuinely want to shatter their world? What about your friends? And then I made a somewhat selfish admission. I said, Dave, if you don't care about the impact on your family or your friends, I want to share with you how this is going to affect me. I don't believe I'll be able to move on from this. It would become one of the most traumatic events of my life, something I could never forgive myself for. Desperation truly guided my words as I continued. I said, let's make a pact, you and I. There are just four months left in the school year. How about you give life a chance until the summer? During these next four months, you and I can work through your feelings. I genuinely care about you, and I promise I'm here for you anytime you want. As I spoke, tears welled up in my eyes, a sign that my words had at least touched him in some way. But beyond those tears, I had no way of knowing if my plea had truly impacted his decision. He slowly turns away and he shuffles out of the classroom, leaving me in a state of both hope and dread. Now you might be wondering if I called his parents or the police or the counselor or anything like that, but that wasn't an option in this community. I actually felt utterly helpless, with no one to turn to but my own prayers. I prayed that something I said had reached deep in his soul, planting a seed of hope that might just save his life. There exists a single weekend in my lifetime more memorable and nerve-wracking than any other in my life. All I wanted was for it to be over, so I could return to that school and find out if my words had reached Dave, whether he decided to skip that fateful party. That weekend, I barely slept and my appetite completely vanished, for I knew that something ominous might be waiting for me on Monday morning. On Monday, I showed up at that school a good half an hour earlier than I normally do. Not because I had extra work to prepare, but because I felt this compelling urge to be there, to brace myself emotionally for what I feared might be the unthinkable. You see, I was just 20-something, still navigating the early days of my teaching career, and nothing in my education had equipped me to tackle something like this. Inside, I was trembling, and all the distractions in the world couldn't keep my anxiety at bay. The only solace I sought was in seeing Dave walk into that classroom. As the bell rang, I ventured into the hallway, a place I didn't usually find myself. I needed to see Dave at the earliest possible moment to shed the weight of my anxiety and the guilt. As the kids filed in, no sign of Dave, and I felt a wave of nausea sweep over me. I was on the verge of passing out in that very hallway. 
But then in a moment that felt like a lifeline, there he was, Dave. The same glum expression on his face, shuffling towards class, but clearly he was alive and he was well. At that instant, I must have appeared like a crazed maniac, for as he approached, I couldn't help but give him a hug and a triumphant high five. I felt as if a thousand pound boulder had just been lifted off my shoulders. I swiftly enlisted the help of one of the teaching assistants to watch my class, giving me a precious few moments to pull Dave aside and speak to him. We found a quiet space in the back room of the gymnasium. I sat him down, my eyes brimming with tears, and the first words I uttered were simple. Thank you. All the emotions that had been festering over that agonizing weekend came gushing out. As I composed myself, I posed a single question. Why did you decide to skip that party on Friday night? Now I'm going to try, after 30 years, to share his response verbatim. He said, Sir, when I left class on Friday night, I was determined to go to that party. I don't give a damn about my family. They don't give a damn about me. My friends, the few that I have, they would move on without me, understanding why I made this choice. The reason I didn't go to that party was that I didn't want to disappoint you or ruin your life. What is a person supposed to do with that? He had known his family, his friends, the entire close-knit community for his entire life while he had met me just seven months ago. Among all the things I said that night to keep him from that party, the one statement that felt selfish in the moment was the very one that may have saved his life. I felt a wave of gratitude and relief, but this experience wasn't just about closure for me. It triggered a deep desire to understand these kids better. I saw a level of despair that I'd never encountered in my lifetime. What became clear to me, and why I've chosen to share this story, is that these kids were missing a fundamental ingredient for a happy life. They were missing hope. Without hope, it's challenging for anyone to escape the clutches of mental health battles. As Shane Lopez articulates in his book, Making Hope Happen, three vital components are needed for people to have hope. One, you have to have goals, and a belief that their future will be brighter than their present. Second, you have to have agency, a sense of empowerment to make that future a reality. And third, you have to have pathways, knowledge that various routes exist to reach your goals, with none of them being obstacle-free. Now, as I reflect back on my classroom, I wonder, did those kids have inspiring goals for the future? Do they truly believe that their future will surpass their past? The truth is, they don't. Their lives have shown them nothing but heartache, abuse, and perpetual unhappiness. They've never seen evidence that they can shape a better future for themselves. Do these kids feel like they have agency, the power to change their destiny? Nope. They lack role models to show them that the future they dream of is achievable. Their lives have been devoid of such evidence. And as far as considering the different paths to reach a goal, they never even make it past the first step. These kids haven't dared to dream about the future because they've never had goals to pursue. Through my conversations with these kids after this incident, it became glaringly evident why these kids were trapped in despair. And now I share this story on my podcast, hoping it may reach a variety of listeners. I want to share what I wish I could have shared with those kids. I want to help them build hope through future casting, a skill of looking forward to what lies ahead. It's like having a time machine for your own mind, except instead of rewinding the past, we are projecting ourselves into a more positive future. Think about it. What excites you right now? What awesome future are you creating? Visualize it, write down your goals, and take a moment to picture your number one wish becoming a reality. 
See yourself putting in the hard work and watch it all come together. Imagine how your life would change, what benefits you experience. Feel it, see it, and then believe it. It's time for all of us to exercise those future casting muscles and fill our minds with hope molecules. And that's precisely what I would like to tell those kids today. In fact, I'd be willing to toss out parts of the curriculum to help build a foundation of hope. I'd sacrifice a few history lessons here and there to focus on vital life skills. It seems like we teach kids so much in school, but we often neglect to arm them with the skills they need to navigate the challenges of everyday life. That, my friends, is a lesson we shouldn't force them to learn the hard way. In a world in dire need for hope and understanding, I often find myself dreaming of revisiting a classroom that I left behind long ago. A classroom filled with kids who had been exposed to circumstances that would break even the strongest of hearts. You see, back then, I didn't have all the answers. No fancy therapy or intervention program to offer. I had nothing but my instincts, my sheer determination to do what was right, to do what I could. I truly wish I could turn back the clock and spend even one more day with those precious souls, to instill hope in their hearts, to prove that change was possible, to be the lifeline they so desperately needed. I don't know exactly what I'd say if given the chance, but I can promise you it would be the most impactful conversation of my life. I hope you found value in today's episode. If nothing else, I'm willing to bet you won't forget the story. And that means you're unlikely to forget the powerful message of hope. Until next time, stay curious and keep embracing the wonders of knowledge. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Lamb. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.